Our scripture passage today comes from the first letter of John, and we're at chapter 4, looking at verse 1 to 6. Before we read this, let's pause for a moment in prayer. Good and gracious Father, Lord, who gives the uh, seed to the sower and rain to the earth, Lord, you have given us your spirit and your word to guide us and instruct us and teach us in the ways of truth. Fathers, we come before this word today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would inspire us, that we may hear, that we may read, that we may understand your good and perfect will for us. Lord, bless this holy reading of your holy word. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is the first letter of John chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're looking here, been looking these last few weeks at this letter from the Apostle John. And this is the uh, same John who was a disciple of Jesus, wrote the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation. And in this, he is giving us advice about living not only a Christian life, but the Christian life that can conquer the world. He's teaching us how to live as heroes, to be heroes and to overcome the enemies of our faith and to fight that good fight of the faith so we can be victorious in the end. Now, lately through this, I've been talking a lot about monsters, about zombies and werewolves and dragons and how these kind of personify evil and how we have to fight against these in our life. Well, today there is, there is one more, I guess a monster I'd like to talk about, one more enemy. And this might be the most dangerous one of them all, even though it's not necessarily the most powerful but is the most dangerous enemy we face. And this is the deceiver. The deceiver. See, like the monsters, when, they, when we face them, when we confront them, they look evil. And they look dangerous. And, and, and we're on our guard against them. But see, what makes a deceiver so dangerous is the deceiver doesn't look like an enemy. The deceiver doesn't look like a monster. The deceiver, deceiver often is actually quite good looking. And it comes speaking uh, soft words. It comes disguised as a friend. 
and it says, I'm just on your side. That's what makes the deceiver so dangerous. And, and we've seen them in movies so, so many times, and it's so frustrating. You know, those movies where you know the bad guy's pretending to be the friend of the good guy, and he's like leading them astray, and you're watching, you're like, come on, gosh, don't you know he's bad? Don't you know he's leading you astray? And one of the classic examples of this deceiver is, uh, is um, from Othello, Iago, from uh, Shakespeare's play Othello. And that's a very frustrating play to watch because you know Iago is bad and he's posing as Othello's friend, but he's poisoning him the whole time against his wife. And you're just, wait, just waiting, please, somebody expose this guy's deception. But see, that's what makes the deceiver so dangerous. They come to us as friends. Sometimes they'll even look like Christians. They'll act like Christians. They say they're Christians. They, they dress like Christians. They look completely harmless and they look good for us. But they're deceivers. Because what they're out to do is destroy your faith. And specifically, destroy your faith in Jesus as the Christ. As to undermine and destroy your faith and belief in Jesus as the Christ. As in Jesus as the anointed of God, as the Lord, and as the Savior. That is what the deceiver wants. That's what the enemy wants. And the deceiver comes posed as a friend. Posed as someone who is like you, but all the while trying to undermine your faith and damage your faith in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. Now, this is exactly what the Apostle John is warning us about today. This is what he says in verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God for many false prophets have gone into the world. Just what John's saying, don't believe every spirit. Don't believe every spirit. Don't believe everything you hear. Test the spirits because there are deceivers out there. He's talked several times about Antichrist being out there. And now he talks about false prophets being out there. Watch out for the deceivers. They look like us. They talk like us. They say they're our friends. They're actually dangerous deceivers. So how can we tell? How can we tell? How can we spot these deceivers? And what is John even talking about to begin with about testing spirits? I mean, what are these spirits he wants us to test anyway? Now normally if I'd say, you know, watch out for these spirits and test spirits, you know, we think that spirits would communicate to us like a visitation by an angel or some kind of vision, or, or some kind of prophecy. And, and that's probably not our run-of-the-mill experience, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if anybody here has ever had a visitation by an angel. Um, if you have, you haven't told me about it. Um, I think they're actually very rare. I have not had many myself. Um, actually, counting, I've had zero visitations from angels, yeah. Um, I've had no real visions opening up to me before. I've had no spirits talk to me, at least that I can hear in my ear and you know we're tempted to think well what kind of what kind of advice is this is this for me I don't, I don't experience this kind of thing this isn't like part of my everyday life being communicated to by spirits so what kind of spirit is going to deceive me so we have to understand what john means by being deceived by a spirit see in the world john was talking about here in the world that he lived in 
It was common every day for people to be inspired and moved by spirits. Okay, that is what moved and inspired people, like all the time, on a, on a, on a daily basis. I mean, for instance, have you ever thought or wondered where ideas come from? I mean, have you ever had an idea that just pops into your head? I mean, I'm not talking about one where you can trace it back, like you can, oh, I understand why I was thinking that, but just out of nowhere, this idea just pops into your head. And they could be good ideas, like an idea for a story or an idea for a song or an idea to all of a sudden call your second cousin who lives in Wisconsin you haven't seen in 15 years. They can also be some bad ideas. I think all of us have kind of experienced it where something kind of pops into our head and you think, why in the world did that just come into my head? That is an awful, terrible thought, and I'm sorry I've ever thought that before, and I never want to think that again, and you deliberately have to push it out. Have you ever, ever wondered like, where these ideas come from, how they just pop into our heads? Well, in the Greek world, they believed a lot of these ideas came from these goddesses that they called the muses. And the muses were the ones who inspired the artist. They inspired the singer. When a, when, a, when a poet had an idea for a story or a poem, it was a muse that actually spoke to him and inspired this. And even people with a lot of talent, like you see somebody who's like just really wailing on the guitar, like, man, how can he do that? Well, the Greeks believed there was a goddess called a muse that gave him that ability. And that also was true for anyone that had any talent. If you were good with carpentry or good at fixing cars or, or sewing, it's because this muse inspired you. Now, the Jews, as you know, did not believe in these goddesses, right? Man, we don't believe in them either. They did, however, believe that people were moved and inspired by spirits. Some of these spirits are good, and some of these spirits are not so good. If you look at Exodus, for example, when Moses is given instructions for how to make the priestly garments, God tells him, he says, it says find the people whom I have inspired with the spirit of skill at, at, at making, you know, at, at sewing and making. And so it tells us God inspires certain people with the ability to make things, the ability to do creative things. And also, all throughout Scripture, we hear how spirits inspire people. There's spirits of anger. There's spirits of jealousy. We also see spirits of wisdom. We see spirits of knowledge, spirits of prophecy. And also, we have to remember today, there are spirits of deceit as well. So that's where they believed like, ideas came from. They came from spirits. That's how they, they get in our head in the first place. Now I know modern science doesn't believe that. Modern psychology doesn't believe ideas pop into our head through spirits. But I've got to tell you, I really haven't seen them come up with a better alternative. If you know of some other research has happened, I would love to hear about it. But I think nobody really knows the origins of some of these ideas that pop into our heads, especially the really creative ideas. And sometimes the really destructive ideas as well. Uh, this week, we've all seen uh, the news reports about this just terrible tragedy in Maine. Uh, this gunman decides to go into a crowd, a bowling alley, I think it was first, and start opening fire on people that he didn't know, had no grudge against them, had nothing, they, they didn't hurt him or anything. He didn't, wasn't getting money or revenge by doing this. And, and when you see something so senseless, you know, my first reaction is, how did that idea ever get in his head? 
And if it did just pop in, then why did he entertain it? Where does an idea like that come from? John would say it was a it was an evil spirit that was put in his head. Of course, psychology would say it was childhood trauma or imbalance of chemicals. That really doesn't explain where these evil ideas come from and take root. And I think as good an explanation of any is the fact that a spirit of evil had taken over that man to do something so terrible and evil in this world. So I say this to just give you some explanation and background about what John is talking about, about when he says being deceived by spirits. He's not talking about always having a visitation by an angel or having this this visitation open up in your head. Sometimes he's talking about the way these ideas come into our head. He says, don't be deceived by any idea you think of. Just because it's in your head doesn't mean it's true. Just because it makes sense in the moment doesn't mean it's an idea that you should go after and follow. But it's not just these ideas and spirits that hit us. He says, beware of the other people as well speaking out of a spirit of deceit. He says, many false prophets have already gone out in the world. And that's another person coming to you, telling you his new idea, his new revelation. This new understanding he has about God, about Scripture, about the world, about who Jesus is. John says, don't believe anyone coming telling you these things, whether the idea comes out of your own head or the idea that comes from another person. But test these spirits. Test them out to see if they're of the truth or not. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we test the spirits? How do we tell the truth from the lie if we're relying on inspiration from God? See here, this is where John is the most helpful because he tells us exactly how not to be deceived by deceptive spirits. Right here in verse 2 and 3, look at what he says. He says, by this you know the Spirit of God. He says, here it is, I'm about to tell you how you know the Spirit of God from the spirit of deception. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. So the spirit confesses that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh. What he means by that is not just Jesus has been born. He says Jesus Christ Christ, by the way, not the last name, the title of Jesus, about what he did. Christ means anointed, the anointed of God, the one prophesied by God, the one that was foretold, the one that came to save us from our sins. That's what he means by Jesus Christ. He says every spirit that says Jesus Christ, the Jesus born in Nazareth is the Christ, is the anointed one, is the Savior. Every spirit that says that happened is from God. And any spirit who's going to deceive you, any idea that will deceive you, any person that will come working under spirit of deception will try to get you to think that either Jesus is not the Christ or that Jesus has not yet come in the flesh. That is how we spot the deceiver. Now I have to let it be known 
that this is a very specific type of deceiver we're talking about. I'm not talking about your regular swindlers or your scammers who send you the fake emails who are trying to get your money or anyone out there promoting your run-of-the-mill conspiracy theory. These are very specific type of deceivers. These are deceiving spirits. Like I said, either coming out of your own head or being spoken out by others, spirits and deceivers that are threatening your faith in Jesus Christ. Because that is what they want more than anything else, is to undermine your faith, knowing that your faith is your strength. The deceivers that John is talking about watching out for here are those who claim some sort of religious or spiritual authority. These are deceivers out there that are claiming to know some great religious or spiritual truth. They're telling you something about how to live a spiritual life, about God, about Christ, about salvation. These are very specific deceivers because they're coming out to undermine your faith. And the way we catch these deceivers is to ask them what kind of Jesus they're preaching. Is to find out what kind of Jesus they are preaching. Are they preaching the Jesus, the, the Christ that we know and that we believe in? Are they preaching the Jesus that was handed down to us from the apostles and the prophets? Are they preaching the Jesus that we read about and be given in the scriptures? Or are they preaching another Jesus altogether? Now there are a few questions you can ask to find out if they are preaching the Jesus of the apostles and the prophets, the Jesus of our faith, the Jesus of Christ, or some other kind of Jesus. Find out, is the Jesus they're preaching the one that was prophesied in the Old Testament? Is that the same Jesus you're preaching? Is the Jesus you're preaching the one that was descended from the line of David as the prophets all told us that he would? Is the Jesus you're preaching the one that was born of the Virgin Mary? Is the Jesus you're preaching the one that has a fully human nature as well as a fully divine nature as our doctrine teaches us? Is that your Jesus fully God and fully human or does he have some kind of nature altogether? Is your Jesus the one that lived a sinless life? Is your Jesus the one that came to fulfill all the law and all the prophets? Is your Jesus the one that died for the atonement of our sins? Is your Jesus the one that rose from the dead on the third day? Not metaphorically, not in an allegorical way, but bodily rose from death into life again. Is your Jesus the one that ascended into heaven and the one that reigns in all the authority of heaven and earth? Is your Jesus the one that's going to return to us again one day and finish the work of his kingdom? And I promise you, 99.99% of the time, anyone trying to deceive you in the ways of faith is going to stumble in one of these questions. Because the deceivers always do. I'll give you an example. You know the, some of the door knockers? You know what I'm talking about? There's some people come knocking on your door, talking about their faith, talking about, and it's a really different one. It's got some different rules. They've got some different perspectives on the world, and they can, it can be kind of confusing when some of these door knockers come there and talk about the real faith, that they, the real truth that they've discovered. But the way, the way you point them out is ask them who Jesus is. Just ask them, do you believe Jesus is fully God and fully human? 
And if they're being honest with you, they'll tell you no. Because they've got a different Jesus. Their Jesus was an angel or a part of God's divine counsel. He was not the one begotten Son of God. And that is how you point out the deceiver. Almost every cult that has gone out into this world, at least the ones that associate themselves with the Christian faith, every single one has a different Jesus. They come with a new teaching. They come with a new revelation. And if you listen closely, you'll find they come with a new Jesus as well. Sometimes the leader will flat out tell you that he's Jesus. But if you test these spirits, they'll always fail in the test of Jesus as Christ. And it's even happened with modern theology. There's a lot of modern theology, a lot of new theology going out there, and it's real sophisticated. It's coming out from these great scholarly voices. It's coming from, from big universities and, and trusted seminaries. And it's theology that's being preached even from some mainstream denominational pulpits from voices that we know and trust and voices that are authoritative and they're coming preaching to you a new morality a new ethic a new doctrine and new orthodoxy and it's so hard to figure out where it is exactly they're going wrong but if you listen closely you'll find they're preaching a new jesus as well because almost all who are holding to some of these newer theological developments if you want to call them that they don't believe in the virgin birth they don't believe in the atoning death of Christ. They don't believe in a bodily resurrection. And they certainly don't believe that Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth one day. You see, they're preaching a different Jesus. As John warns each and every one of us, if it's a different Jesus they're preaching, you're dealing with a deceiver. It's either a deceiving spirit or someone who themselves has been deceived. So we have to test these spirits. We have to test the new ideas that pop up. We have to test the new developments. We have to test anything that people tell us that begins to sound a little bit off. But if we're going to do this, there's two things that you're going to need to do. The first one is you got to think for yourself. You have to think for yourself. John says, test the spirits. That means you have to test the ideas. You have to think about them. You have to question them. You have to think critically. You can't believe somebody just because they're a preacher or just because they're a scholar or because they've got lots of followers on TikTok where everybody is saying they're right and everyone else is going after them, or, or, or they're this distinguished scholar or even claim to be a prophet. You can't even believe them at face value if they're performing miracles. Because many false prophets have done that, and we are told they will do that. You've got to question what they say. Question what they say. Hold it up to the gospel that has been handed down to us through the apostles and the prophets. And to see if they match up. And if they don't, preaching to you another Jesus. And that includes me. Don't accept blindly anything that I tell you from up here. 
think about what I say, examine what I say, question what I say. And if I ever get up here and I ever preach another Jesus to you, then you've got a responsibility to run me right out of town. You've got to think for yourself. But the second part is just as important. You've got to think for yourself and you've got to know your doctrine. You've got to know what has been preached to us by the apostles and prophets. You've got to know your scripture. You've got to know your doctrine. That is the best armor that you have against deception is to know the truth, to know it backwards and forwards, to know it so well that it comes out instinctively. The apostle Paul talks about us training like an athlete. And athletes, you know, they train so much, so when they get in the game, they don't think about it. They just do it. And you've got to know your doctrine that same level. Well, you don't think about it anymore. It becomes your second nature. See, the reason why I teach these things up here, the reason why the church does it, the reason why we have Bible studies, the reason why we tell you to read your Bible, it's not to make blind followers. We're teaching and encouraging you to learn so your eyes can be open. That's what we want. We want your eyes open so you can think for yourself and you will not be deceived. I'm going to make this last point and leave you with this. This is the big warning sign to look for. Right? Anybody who would discourage you from thinking for yourself, anyone who would tell you not to do your own research just to take them at their word, I would be alarmed right there. That's a warning sign. Anyone telling you not to think for yourself or do your own research, the only reason they would tell you that is they're worried about what you might find. God's not like that at all. And the church is not supposed to be like that. See, God loves it when you learn for yourself. He loves it when you think for yourself. He's even told you, go out there, get knowledge, get wisdom. God loves it when you do your own digging. He encourages it. He wants you to do your own research. Because God knows. He knows that if you search honestly, you're going to find the truth. Because the truth wants to be known. Have you ever noticed that, how the truth always ends up coming out in the end? It's because the truth wants to be known. And when you find the truth, you will find Jesus as the Christ. Because he is the truth. You've got to know your doctrine. You've got to know your scriptures. It is the best protection from deceit. And when you do this, you will find there is one truth. There is one gospel. And there is one Christ. He is our rock. He is our sure foundation. Hold fast to him. And there is no storm. And there is no deceit that will ever be able to shake you. To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.